Welcome to the Give This Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Kai. This podcast is sponsored by the GPS Island Program, which Forbes has stated helps entrepreneurs become professional speakers. For more information, go to ChristopherKai.com. Our guest today is Peter Montoya. He's a keynote speaker, best-selling author, entrepreneur, and leadership development guru. Welcome to our show, Peter. I'm so excited to be here with you, Christopher. So I love it when we have some very seasoned authors and speakers. I mean, we had, you know, some people that are new to the game, which is fine. But when you meet someone like yourself, who's been doing this for quite some time, about 20 plus years, you really get to see a very large spectrum of success and not so many successful stories. So first of all, what was your first experience where you knew you wanted to be a speaker, an author, or just you wanted to really share your knowledge with the world? When, when, when was that moment or was it a more of a, 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 um, a period of time? Well, I was graduating college from uh, University of California, Irvine, with a degree in political science, and I didn't have the ambition or sex drive for politics. And when you don't want to go into politics with a political science degree, you've only got a couple choices, uh, and that was I could go to uh, law school, I could become a bartender, or I could go into sales. So I wanted to be a speaker, but I didn't have any knowledge yet to, to share with the rest of the world. So I did the next best thing, which was go to work for a speaker. So I went to work for a speaker and started to learn my craft um, over the last 25 years. Can you share who you work with? Sure. I worked for the uh, biggest motivational speaker in the world, uh, Tony Robbins, back in 1993 through 95. Interesting. So you, when you say you work with him, like you work directly with him, so you're like real time? <laughs> I, you know, I saw him probably about once every two months. I was part of what was called an FSR team, uh, which means we were frontmen. And it was maybe between five and eight of us, men and women, and we would go to corporate housing, be in a city before Tony Robbins got there, fill the event, and then we would see him for about a day or a day and a half when he came in to do his event. Got it. And then we were part of his city. team, though, so you got to see really the inner workings of his organization. I sure did. Oh, yeah, I've been in there. So what do you feel is something that you learn most from him? Because again, it's one thing to do it for again, one year, two years, five years, but this guy's been around for I think 30 years. So what do you think that uh, he does really well that we can learn from? Tony Robbins is probably one of the best facilitators in the world. I mean, he really does, has, does an amazing job when he gets, you know, 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 people into a, a room or a stadium, and he actually moves people in a very spectacular way. He has a bigger-than-life personality. He is a master at his craft, at storytelling, uh, at moving, knowing an audience, and actually being able to move them through an experience over a course of days. I really have a great great deal of respect for him and what he does there. So if you watch the uh, documentary, you know, I'm, I'm not your guru about Tony Robbins. It's a really good insight. I think a very fair insight into what it's like uh, working, being around Tony Robbins and what he does. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen that and I've seen him in live. And I, I agree. Like the guy uh, is quite inspiring. And so when you talked about facilitation, I like how you asked and answered the question because you didn't say he's a great speaker or coach or business person. You said facilitation. Why did you choose facilitation as a word? Yeah, facilitator, facilitation is different than just speaking. I mean, keynote speaking is one thing, getting up in front of an audience and telling a story. Facilitating is actually where you, it, you know, pull something out of people. You bring them into the experience, and you're engaged in a type of a dance. 
And as a facilitator, you oftentimes don't know where exactly you are going to end up when you're working with a student. So facilitation uh, is usually almost like coaching. Coaching is one-on-one and facilitation is with a bigger audience. We're trying to move a group of people through an experience. Fascinating. So do you see yourself more as a, a speaker, facilitator, coach, or all three? Good question. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit of all three, and I don't know if I'm a master of any one of those three things, but I do all three of those things on a regular basis where I sometimes just speak and lecture. I prefer to facilitate, which I usually do about once a week in some different exercises, and then I'm a regular coach. Uh, I speak, you know, I train now. My area of expertise is in leadership development, and the big epiphany that I had about leadership in the last decade or so is I thought leadership was about vision, strategy, and dictating. You know, your job was to figure out where the organization is supposed to go, do some vision casting, create a strategy on how to get there, and then basically tell people what to do. And now what I've learned is uh, leadership is all about leadership development. <laughs> so when you're in leadership development, every time you're meeting with anybody else in your organization, you're basically doing coaching. Yeah, you might be maybe doing some problem solving and stuff like that, but what you really should be doing is coaching so you're more or less empowering that person to, be able to solve that problem next time without having to come to you. And that's a great point. It's like I was talking to one of my friends, like the, the difference between people who are motivating and empowering, it's very different. It sounds like you're more about the empowering because you're giving the power to someone else and not just motivating that person. Would you, would oh, you yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, so I, I actually wrote a really good definition for the word empowerment. Everyone wants to empower people, but no one really knows what that, what that means. And if you want to empower people, here's what you've got to do. Uh, first of all, everyone's going to be really, really clear on the mission of the organization, crystal clear on the global mission, their team mission, and more, most importantly, on their mission in the organization. Secondly, they have to have absolute responsibility, which means they have to know exactly where their authority begins and ends, and they've got to feel complete and total ownership ownership of their piece of the pie. And then third, and most importantly, competence. They got to have the competent skills that they get the job done. And most importantly, decision-making competence. So as a leader, whenever I'm bringing somebody in, I'm trying to teach them on, on what I'm doing along the way so they can do it for themselves and replicate it. I just love this co- uh, quote by Craig uh, Groschel. He says the following, when you delegate tasks, you create followers. When you delegate authority, you create leaders. And that's how I try to lead. Can you repeat that one more time? Because that's a very profound <laughs> to share. It's a good one, isn't it? When you delegate tasks, you create followers. When you delegate authority, you create leaders. That nice. is what empowerment's about. Nice, nice, nice. Again, prior to this podcast interview, Peter was asking me how this podcast is going. I say, look, 10 minutes, you can share a lot in 10 minutes and you're, you're a perfect example. Again, I hope our listeners learn from you because it's these little glimmers of genius that we all have in us or we need to be pulled out of us and, and just um, shine, frankly, because that, that's a perfect example of when, I, when, when you asked me about this podcast, Peter, in terms of what we can learn and, and grow with. So talk about the, some of the books you've written. So what kind of books have you written or have you, what, what, how many books have you written and, and which one do you want to share with us? 
I've got three books that I've already written and I've got two more books in the hopper. Uh, the first book was called The Brand Called You and I was one of the very first people promoting personal branding 20 years ago. So I wrote The Brand Called You, The Brand Called You for Financial Advisors, The Personal Branding Phenomenon. That was kind of the first chapter of my, craze, uh, my career when I was heavily invested in, in personal branding. Uh, I recently finished a book called Why We Live and Why We Live is a book about living a life of purpose and meaning. I finished that book up and now I've got two more books in the hopper, um, Meeting Without Walls, How to Lead the Perfect Virtual Meeting. As we're all going virtual, I wanted a book that was relevant to helping people really lead in this time of, of virtual, virtual connections. And then the book that's going to be just following that is The High Performance Organization, How to Dominate Any Industry in Any Market at Any Time. Uh, and I'm super excited about that book. You got a lot going on, Peter. If you can just share <laughs> one specific lesson you can share with the listeners regarding your Why We Live book, what would that be? Uh, yeah, discover your why. Uh, John Maxwell uses this quote quite a bit. The two most important days in any person's life are the day we're born and the day we figure out why. And if you are living without a purpose or knowing what your purpose is, you are living a life of uh, unfulfilled sorrow. Uh, and it's really important to take the time to figure that one out. And the second thing I'll, I'll say, share with you, even though you only gave me one, <laughs> I used to think the uh, three legs of health were sleep, uh, nutrition, and exercise, and I was wrong. There's actually four legs to your everyday health, sleep, exercise, uh, diet, and social connectivity. We as human beings need between three and four hours a day of good social connection if we want to optimize our health. Really? Where, where does that come from? That was a study that I found online from, oh gosh, I'm, uh, Pew Research, and it basically talked about the lowering your anxiety and increasing, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Gallup, uh, and increasing your happiness, and I can send you that if you'd like. Three to five hours, wow, that, that's, that's a lot. You go, oh my gosh, a lot, where am I going to find it? And then it turns out, I found more, did more research, and the average American is spending 11 hours a day on screens. Computer yeah. screens, TV yeah. screens, phones, and tablets. So it's not like we don't have the time for really good depth relationships. We're just killing ourselves with our, with our screens. Interesting, interesting. Peter, thanks so much for being on our podcast. How can our guests get in touch with you and learn about, more about your services? Yeah, please, you know, I'm a personal branding guy still at the heart, so you can always find me at petermontoya.com. And if you're interested in looking at my program, the High Performance Organization, you can click on a call with Peter, click callwithpeter.com and schedule a call with me to see if you may be a good fit. Thank you so much for your time, Peter. Have a great day. It was fun, Christopher. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Gifters podcast. If you want to turn your story into a successful speaking or coaching business, Go to ChristopherKai.com for details.